Welcome to another episode of This is Hot Boga. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank a few companies for making this podcast possible. First up is Sturka Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time and love the quality and the, the amazing warranty that they provide. If you want to learn more about Sturka Optics, go to sturkastrong.com. So next up is Hill People Gear. Uh, we've had them on as a guest before. We've talked to some of the, the owners there, and they're a great bunch of guys. And Jimmy, you're actually... We're both running the Decker packs, yeah, and we can literally put anything we want yeah, into, into these packs. I mean, we, we go out with our, our ground blinds, our tree saddles, and everything else we might need. So we got out there. and Daughters. Daughters. daughters we'll throw a few kids in there. And we love it. They haul weight well. They're durable, American-made, and uh, an amazing company. Check them out at hillpeoplegear.com. We're avid outdoorsmen and conservationists, and it's important to us to work with brands that are both high-end and care about the world in which we live. Enter United by Blue. For those of you who don't know, United by Blue is an outdoor gear and apparel company that is dialed in on ocean and waterway conservation. We run a lot of their clothes just on the street. Jared went on a hot date with one and his wife the other day and uh, wore a few uh, United by Blue pieces. Really impressed her. Good quality product, good quality clothing. And for every purchase that you make, they remove a pound of trash out of the local waterways around you. And it gets better. When you uh, go to make a purchase, enter Hot Boga at checkout to get a uh, nifty little discount. Check them out at unitedbyblue.com. New Breed Archery. We love New Breed Archery. Uh, I've been shooting their bows for a while. A while is in a year? A while is in a year. It feels like longer. It does feel like longer. We're getting some new bows put together right now. Custom dipped. Jared, what are you going to be shooting this year? I'm going to be shooting the ETX 35. All right. And I'm going to be shooting the RK1 because I'm a true... uh, True traddy? True true trad hunter. And mine's going to be in some uh, really special custom colors, which I'm excited to announce, but I won't announce yet. Stay tuned. Head on over to New Breed. Look at their options. You might just fall in love. Well, let's get started. I think you're recording, Jared. Yeah, we're good to go. And like I was telling you, we can we're gonna edit this, so just don't worry about it. And we're, we'll just kind of chat. So I'm an old guy too, so I'm 45. So if I if I stumble and I forget things, which I've been known to do, lose my train of thought from time to time. Uh, just kind of bear with me. But it's, you know, it's not it's not the years; it's the mileage, as they say. That's so. right. You know, my grandpa used to say, road hard and put away wet. (laughs) I never knew really what he was talking about, but I was grossed out. That is, uh, I have heard that from elderly gentlemen here in Wisconsin, too. (laughs) It's a great innuendo. That's right. What part of Wisconsin are you in? I'm right outside of Milwaukee. I'm outside in a place called Brookfield is where I live. Uh, It's in Waukesha County. Yeah, like right west of Milwaukee. Yeah, Jared and I have been doing quite a bit of research on Mm -hmm. the different counties in uh, Wisconsin for the upcoming deer extravaganza yeah. so i know a little bit about your county not too much we're, we're looking a little bit farther west uh, you know as you and i had talked about on the phone but yeah. i mean wisconsin's got some pretty amazing places to uh, hunt i actually just went scouting yes what day before yesterday uh the spot that gets heavily pressured but there's a ton of deer in there they just don't come out until the middle of the night right i just scouted this one section that was like literally 50 60 70 yards off of the, the little parking lot yeah, I jumped probably like a you know probably good three year old buck out of a out of a bed there, nice and wide in velvet. I jumped him twice and just I found his beds right where he's bedding, so I know where I'm going early season. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yep. That that early, especially on public land, the way Jared and I usually do it is, 
Like I, most, a lot of the times I'll hunt my very best stand opening morning. I mean, if the wind's right and everything, um, mm-hmm. and if it's a good morning stand, just because if there are public land guys out there and you're not just jumping on a spot, you could, yeah, it could just ruin it. I know guys here that won't hunt early season because they're just like, ah, it's too hot. And I don't want to deal with mosquitoes, but you know, that and late season best times of year. Oh yeah. We'll do, yeah. we'll do the early stuff. And then the late season we've even done like you know we get a lot you guys get it too a lot of snow we get a lot of the lake effect from yeah from michigan and we'll go up north and do almost like a track mm-hmm. you'll, oh, cool. you'll, you'll cut a track and you'll just follow it all day which the success rates are low but it is a lot of fun you cover a lot of space so it reminds me of like jeremiah johnson type hunting just cut a track and go follow it so you can shoot the deer <laughs> exactly it's it's oh. a little bit more there's more adventure yeah you know than just sitting there and once we started, you know, going west a little bit and hunting, kind of got hooked on the wandering around. And I always have it where I'm always wondering what's over the next mm-hmm. hill. That and you're, I mean, you're following the tracks of the deer. So you're finding spots that you don't usually go to right. when you're out scouting. <laughs> yep. So you may push into a swamp and, and try to catch that deer bedded down and actually find maybe a good stand spot in there that you've never seen before. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, exa- oh, that's exactly what I do. I, I, you know, in the summer or late season after the season's over, I just follow tracks and follow trails back into bedding areas, and those are some of the best spots I've, I, I've found, basically, those times of years. This time of year, too, when it's been raining here a ton, so it's all muddy, so all the tracks, um, all their tracks that they use frequently are all tore up, so you just follow the fresh sign you, you always wander back into some pretty interesting little spots that don't seem to get a lot of pressure so yeah the way i like to do it mm-hmm. as well yeah and the nice thing is if you're kind of a mobile hunter where you're kind of carrying your you know your stand or your blind or whatever on your back you have the option to just sit down you know yeah. if you find a good spot where there's especially in the like late season when you're seeing a ton of tracks you just post up by a good intersection where you're seeing maybe some good sized tracks mm-hmm. and, and go from there i have the i do the ghillie suit thing um like that i'll just pick a spot and i'll just tuck myself back into some bushes and i've had i've had deer walk by five yards but you know nothing that i wanted to shoot so still though That's, having them that close is incredible i had one come up to me early season last year and sniffed my boot oh wow <laughs> i was just sitting i was just sitting i wish i had a camera i didn't bring a camera because i was just kind of went in there with a the ghillie and I just, you know, sat my butt against, uh, in some grass against a big tree and they started coming out maybe 20 minutes before last light. And I had a younger deer walk up to me and sniff my boot. They had no idea that I was a human being. That's but, awesome. Yeah. That was pretty, those are the kinds of experiences that it's, uh, you know, why I'm drawn to do uh, the outdoors and hunting. It's that stuff that, you know, you sometimes, a lot of times you don't get it on camera, but you just kind of have that special moment that really, just gets the hooks in you and that even keeps you going back. Oh, I think especially sometimes those are even more memorable than a kill. Like I've had some that I remember way more clearly where I didn't shoot anything. I could just remember one off the top of my head. I, I it was real, real gray. I might even told this story on the podcast, but real misty. And I was probably 13 and I was pretty far back, at least for me. And I remember seeing this little real misty, like the sun's coming up, can hardly see. And I bow hunting, and I can see this little white circle just kind of dancing and kind of bouncing in the woods. UFO. And it's no, it's on the ground. It could have been a ground <laughs> UFO. Well, I yeah. see it coming closer. I'm like, what? It's kind of is eerie looking, you know. And I'm like, it gets closer, and it looks like this thing's smiling at me. I'm like, what? Definitely what is UFO. That? It was a, a possum, but oh, they, they, okay. have, they have the white yeah. face and kind of a grayer body, so I could just see its little smiling face walking at me, <laughs> and it sounded huge. Obviously, everything does. Sure. Sure. And I remember that as clear as like it happened yesterday. 
those are the kinds of moments where, you know, I'm the same way. Sometimes I, it's just about being out there and, you know, then taking part in that, taking part in nature and, and experiencing that, you know, witnessing those things that a lot of people don't take the time to do these days. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just out there and being quiet and being in nature and taking part in the natural, natural course of things, I guess, is what draws me to it too. Oh yeah. Just sitting and being quiet. Even if you're not hunting, I was just telling you, trying and taking a saddle out the other week I was just sitting in my backwoods and I sat out there for like an hour and <laughs> lo and behold two fawns just kind of wandered up really and yeah right back there a little smaller than my beagle wow. just little little things what are these so trees right back cool. here yeah I, I went up in one of those trees we're we're trying a little it's it's hot here in Michigan today so we're we're doing a little uh we're sitting around a campfire but it's not oh, nice. fire in there we figured you know you need a little breeze and so yeah That's I was cool. I was right back there and they wandered right up and had no idea. I was I was that's three cool. feet off the ground, just behind a tree. Tree saddle, huh? Tree saddle. So yeah, and that's why I wanted you here. You want to tell everybody what you do and, and, and who you are? Obviously, my name is Jan Corrigan. I'm from Brookfield, Wisconsin. I'm a marketing manager for Arrow Hunter Tree Saddles. And I also own a, a digital media company. I do marketing and video production. That's called Broken Arrow Media. So that's uh, two kind of things in the hunting industry. I do professionally, uh, my full-time day job, I'm a police officer here in Wisconsin. I've been a police officer for about 11 years. I've served in there in various roles, uh, patrol officer, uh, community policing. I was on the SWAT team for a couple of years. I'm a designated marksman as well for the department. I have two sons. I have Miles and Cole, which are uh, 12 and 10, and I go fishing with them a lot. I go to sporting events with them. Um, I love to hunt and kayak fish and archery, and yeah, that's kind of what I do. It's so awesome. you're like you're like the the backcountry hunters and anglers prototypical person, just spending time out out in the woods. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with what I do for a day job. I like getting away from people and being quiet sometimes yep. because my my day to day is deals with a lot of chaos basically so i can imagine uh, but you know i i had the opportunity you know i started saddle hunting about two years ago i wound up reaching out to um, the owner of arrow hunter her name is sophia sparks she owns arrow hunter and she also owns a company called new tribe that started this company back in 1984 basically started building uh, tree climbing equipment because they're from she's from grants pass oregon which is in southern oregon like northern california mm -hmm. southern oregon border yeah, they've been around since 84 and she's been doing this ever since. Arrow Hunter started in 2013 when a bunch of hunters came to her and asked her to create a tree saddle and she partnered with some guys. The main guy would be uh, Bobby Boswell. He's got a YouTube channel called Boudreaux Boswell and he is all about saddle hunting. He has some great how-to videos. Uh, he's a great resource if you're just starting out saddle hunting to uh, kind of get a, get a sense of how to do it and how to set up and yep how to use climbing sticks and set up the tether and the lineman's belts and the platform, whatever platform you may choose. Before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler. And we all use the 32-ounce uh, tumbler, and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. 
I'm going to James D. guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself, pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now, back to our show. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because, you know, I, I've, I've been following it a little bit where it started out as these, like, arborists or, you know, the tree guys. Um, yeah. It slowly started bleeding into the, the hunting world. How did it how did it make that transition? When did that happen? Well, tree saddles for hunting have been around for a really long time. And I think guys, the stories that I've heard, guys from the 80s um, started using tree saddles to hunt out of. I believe your your Michigan guy there, uh, yep. John Eberhard, proponent of, and still is a big proponent of saddle hunting. And he's been doing that for literally decades. And he's, you know, what, written three books. And that's a huge part of his hunting strategy in Michigan because he hunts a majority of public land and, you know, permission land. But you, know, you guys have a lot of hunting pressure in Michigan as does yeah. Wisconsin. And the tree saddle, he swears by it. And that's been a big part of his success. Yeah, it, it's interesting. We've had John on a couple times and it's interesting, you know, the tree saddle, uh, he, he's big into setting up spots and then just climbing up with the saddle on itself. But I know that you can really just kind of walk out and set it up as you go too. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, you can go out and do your preseason scouting and find your spots where you've got, you know, you're hunting a bedding area or you're hunting a, you know, some transition with a lot of good sign like rubs or scrapes. Mm-hmm. And you can just walk in during the season and you can kind of hunt your way into a property based right. on the sign that you see. And if you see good sign that looks really fresh, you can, if there's a tree available that you can get up into, that's the beauty of a tree saddle is, you know, you can basically hang out of pretty much any tree. I know back in when I used to hunt with tree stands, especially trees that are leaning, that lean out, you always feel if you if you have to set in one of those, you feel like you're going to fall out of your tree. Yeah, stand. you're really alert the whole time. <laughs> so you got to be really careful with that. The, the great thing about the tree saddle is you could literally hang in it if you wanted to. Well, there's so. videos of guys like hanging upside down. Oh yeah, there's guys hanging upside down. There's guys that climb up and they'll hang in like the notch of a tree with a the two uh the two trunks come together and yep. they're just hanging and hanging out in there and standing and swinging in the tree saddle so it's super versatile and i honestly think that this year a lot of the magazines like peterson's co-hunting had a huge article uh written by greg snaggs yep. it was in the was it this month's or last month's i think it was in the it was in the june issue yeah you know i think it was like a 10-page article about tree saddle hunting it's all over social media a lot of youtube hunter whitetail guys are doing it the hunting public i believe it is hunting out of them on Eberhard, obviously. I think that uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear is coming out with a platform and allegedly they're coming out with a saddle. You know, there's a there's a number of other companies that have that are coming out with Saddle Wild Edge. One of the guys that we Drew Walter, one of uh, one of our partners, he's coming out with his own saddle as well. So Oh is he um, really? The Wild Edge guy yeah. there. Okay. Who's yep. who's That's kind of the, up. who's kind of the first people to come up with a tree saddle? For hunting, yeah, uh, would be, it would be. I believe there were a couple of companies. There was guys were using the sit drag, and then I believe Trophy Line was the old tree okay. saddle company. In the newest generation, Arrow Hunter started back in 2013, and that was specifically for the hunting market. Yeah. Hunters that came to them and co-designed it with them. So. Well, it's such a handy thing because, you know, we were talking earlier about our, our Wisconsin hunt. And obviously, mm-hmm. you do a ton of e-scouting. You know, you're looking at Google Maps. We're looking at, like, HuntWise, sure. you know, different plot maps, whatever. 
But until you get there, you don't really know. So a lot of the times what we like to do is find a section and then kind of hunt in, start yes. from the outside and kind of observe and kind of start to move in on these, mm -hmm. these spots. Yep. And with a tree saddle, I mean, it's, again, you could do this with a climber as if you find the right tree. The right tree. And that's always right. been our thing. And you're clinking around. The thing's heavy. Yeah. Unless I mean, that's, kind of you know, quickly and quietly. Yeah. Tree stands. I mean, I, I started out with a lone wolf and then I went to a summit and then I went with um, the millennium, the micro light, which is yep. probably the latest one I've, I've found, which is, which is a great tree stand. The tree saddle, it just, you know, it's, it's way less bulky, way less heavy. You know, it doesn't make as much noise. You can wear it in, you can walk around in it. You can, you, can, you know, basically wear it on you and walk in and scout yep. and then basically have, you know, your four sticks or some wild edge step ladder steps, which are super compact, fit in your backpack. And you're literally probably shaving off 10 to 15 pounds of gear that you would normally. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, that's a huge deal. Especially if you're walking a long ways or if you have to carry yeah. something out, we, we usually quarter them even for yep. deer and we carry yeah. them out that way and carrying a deer. And then if you add 15 pounds on top of that, that just, that's much by the end of it. Yeah. And I, you know, and that's why I, I switched over to it because I was just so, you know, I, I hung a lot of the marshes here in yep. Southeast Wisconsin because that's where all the deer go during hunting season. So you got to find their, their bedding areas and it's usually on Oak Islands. You know, obviously it's like the Dan Infault, uh, yes. you know, school of hunting because he's a, he's a guy down from here. He's a local hero and we all, all the mobile hunters in Wisconsin, you know, subscribe to his ethos. Hunting uh, beast. Yep. The beast style of hunting. Yeah. I mean, him and, him and Eberhard kind of shared the same, same kind of tactics as far as that goes, but you know, they're, they're wildly divergent as far as like. Scent. Their, their scent control yeah well, john's shaving himself to, to get rid of the mm -hmm. scent and you know, the hunting beast community i don't know that they're all so much into scent just playing the wind yeah it's it's basically wind setting up downwind you know, finding your sign and, and setting up downwind from it you know wherever you're gonna hunt so the wind's blowing in your face and that deer come at you and they can't smell you i mean i i've had some pretty interesting encounters of you know utilizing that technique so you know i can speak from firsthand knowledge that it does work so I'm not super crazy about scent control, but I do practice it when I can. Uh, right. But, you know, look, you know, you're walking out into a swamp a mile, a mile and a half, you're going right. to get lathered up, getting up a tree and walking in. So, you know, I don't put all my uh, eggs in that basket, but, you know, I, I try to mitigate it as much as possible. Well, the thing with the, the scent control is like, you know, for a while I was like trying to just be super scent control. Mm -hmm. I would yeah. keep everything in this, you know, Tupperware oh, bucket. Yeah. And I'm like, but then I start to think, well, my bow picks up smells. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wrap tape on my, my grip or I'll, I'll, you know, I shoot a recurve. I got a, a hunt, a tab, a shooting tab. Like yeah. that leather thing's picking up scent. And then I think, well, I'm going to fart out there. Oh, it's yeah. just going to happen. It's going to happen. And, Absolutely. And it's like, man, if you start really thinking about it, it's, I, it was too much. It kind of ruined, it made it less fun. And so, you know, right. we've, we've been looking at different things. And I, I know there are ways like, on uh Ozonics. Ozonics. yeah it's just it i don't know I, at, at some point it seems like if you just play the wind you don't have to worry about it so much you know i have one of those ozone it's not an ozonics it's like just some cheap ozone, ozone generator, generator yeah, that i got to, to you know basically kill the smell of my clothes and my tupperware and that's pretty much the only thing that i do yeah um, and you know that's pretty good i actually i've heard that works you get some stinky undies or something there jerry yeah. you can throw them right in there that'll I use kill merino, it. Dude. you get merino antibacterial 
microbial. Oh. Microbial. I'm sorry. Merino, yeah, that's... merino undies. That's fancy. Oh, oh merino it's a undies. game changer. <laughs> I was telling. We've talked about this here before. I went on a week hunting trip and I just yeah. wore the merinos. No stink. Pretty comfortable. I was pretty felt pretty fresh down there. And wow. you can get kind of swampy okay. if you're uh, you're running cotton. Some heavy swag. Your undergarments. <laughs> yeah, I just I just run the regular old like uh, like sports underwear yeah. basic. So, you know, but yeah, I mean, I have, you know, I got some first light and stitch and stuff that are, that's Merino that and like my first light top that's uh, mm-hmm. Merino yeah. um, that, that does not pick up any stinky sweat. Before we move on, let's take a few minutes to take some first steps with first light. This week we have Kevin Harlander, community manager at first light on to discuss determining your effective bow range. So Kev, for the guy who maybe doesn't have a ton of experience determining their effective bow range, what advice do you have? Sure, that depends on a lot of things. I think first and foremost, to your point, effective bow range and ethical bow range are sort of hard to define. A lot of guys can shoot elk at 60 to 70 to 80 yards, but it's because they practice, they know their setup, and they have a lot of experience. When you're out at that kind of yardage, an inch is a mile, and it's important to understand what the consequences are when you let that arrow fly. I think your effective range is determined by your comfort at yardage. If you have haven't shot your setup at 70 yards in July, you sure as hell shouldn't be shooting at 70 yards at elk in, in September. So I think what's important is to know both your field point setup and, and your broadhead setup. Part of the fun of elk hunting is trying to shoot elk close to you. Same goes, I think, with deer hunting. Sometimes you have to reach out and, and touch some elk at 45 to 50 yards, but I like to say that if, if you know, the the real joy is in getting those elk 30, 30 and in. So I think it's important to just be effective within your own experience and, and understand that maybe 30 yards is your is your range and, and 80 is out of the question. And maybe two years from now, two seasons from now, you'll be able to shoot effectively an inch to three inch group at 70 yards and, and that changes the, the name of the game for you. But I think it's important just to understand your effective bow range personally and then that turns into what is an ethical bow range. Great. Kevin, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it's key. I mean, and at some point it's like, yeah, you, you should try to not be full of gasoline or something when you're out there, you know, stepping in, <laughs> taking your boots garlic. out. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, it's, I, I think we talked on the podcast, I think, uh, was it Ted Nugent, who during hunting season, I think Johnny Eberhardt was saying this, somebody was, where he would switch to eating pretty much apples and carrots, like things with deer would eat. Oh, guess, just don't quote me on that, but I feel like he, he started doing that. And, yeah, I think uh, Eberhardt was talking about his, you know, like, like uh, his for diet. his breath, for his mouth. They basically wanted to, you know, have a clean, fresh-smelling, apple-smelling mouth, basically. I mean, the, your diet, breathing. changing your diet kind of makes sense. Yeah, that does You know, if yeah. you're eating a lot of garlic, you start permeating it out of your pores. Like, I don't know, my dad, when I was younger, when he used to, you know, he'd take garlic pills. And we could smell oh, yeah. We could smell the guy i'm like dad oh, yeah. you, you taking garlic pills again yeah whatever it's good for my heart <laughs> yeah it is but you stink like but you, you stink you know yeah. my brother and sister-in-law go heavy on garlic and i can always tell <clears throat> i'm like oh jake and amy if they're listening to mm-hmm. this sorry <laughs> they won't listen to it well i suppose too if you're if you're bruising it at deer camp too they could probably smell that coming off you as well exactly yeah. exactly yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so you're, you're at Arrow Hunter. You, you joined recently. Um, so you, you mentioned you've been hunting with the, the saddle for two years. How has that been? You know, a couple of things that come to mind when I, when I look at it is obviously first is safety, and we can touch on that in a minute. But the second is, you know, just using one. There's a lot. It looks like there's a lot of ropes. A guy like me, well, I, I, going in especially, I had very little experience with knots. 
and yeah. you know belay is it belay is that a thing belay, belay. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> all that term. kind of stuff i, I didn't yeah. know i don't have anything um uh, how was it to go from not a a saddle hunt type hunter to a guy that uses it and now works for the company i was in college i did some rock climbing so i was familiar with a lot of the terminology and techniques and a lot of the knots and rope work but i think you know your average hunter coming into it yeah i mean it is a little intimidating you see this uh it's not a tree stand you see all these ropes and you're like oh boy that seems like a so it seems like a big learning curve but it's it's really not basically you know you're still climbing the tree in the same manner whether it be you know most guys use sticks and alignments belt right to climb yeah. the tree they're putting up a tree stand so that doesn't change you're still using your sticks you're still using your line belt lineman's belt and basically what you're doing is um, attaching your tether rope to the tree, just clipping into your bridge, which is the, the uh, rope section that attaches from each hip to hip. Uh, there's a thing called the bridge, which is basically what you hang from. And that's adjustable, whether it be using a ropeman um, a mechanical prussic or yep. uh, regular rope prussic and or, you know, we have a three bar slider on our webbing bridge that we offer on the new flex. Um, and then you just clip into your tether. Uh, you put up your platform, whether it be your ring of steps, whether it be a perch, whether it be a uh, out on a limb platform, you know, and, and you basically, you know, you can stand on your platform. I prefer the platform over the ring of steps. Um, some, guys, some guys like the ring of steps. I, I had a set of ring of steps and I did not care for them. Can you explain a little bit what the ring of steps is? Yeah, it's basically uh, a series of right angle plastic steps that are attached to a ratchet strap. And then you put them around the tree. There's a, six of them, I believe. Okay. And it creates like a little mini platform when you ratchet it down, you tie it to the tree. Purpose of that is to be able to go 360 degrees around the tree with your tether. Cool. Um, on a platform, you can still do the same. I just like the platform because it's a little bit more comfortable and it's a little easier to do um, some of the side shots off of a platform. I think. You get a little bit more leverage on the platform than on the steps. And again, that's personal preference. Some guys love the ring of steps. Um, some guys use bolts. Other guys use the wild edge steps to create a, to create a ring around the tree. Right. Um, so there's any, any number of ways that you can create a platform for yourself. Some guys just hunt off the top stick that they have uh, for their, uh, climbing sticks so, that seems uh, uncomfortable because you really get oh i guess you have two that's not yeah see the ring of steps for me um and you know i don't have i don't have ridiculously big feet they're just 10 and a half but right. you know my after after a while my feet would start to cramp up but i have i have ankle and foot and hip issues from my, my day job anyway so i just needed something that was a little bit more comfortable uh to put my feet on so yeah i wound up going with the wild bed perch and uh and uh that thing is super light and i love that thing yeah um, i'm looking it, forward to trying that uh yeah weighs nothing so well that's the thing if because you know I, I as i was sitting out there and I, I was it was funny as i was setting up i'm like youtubing different ways guys set up <laughs> while i'm just oh, sitting sure. out there you know, some guys will do on the step. Some guys even do it like where your knees are touching the tree. Mm -hmm. Like, so I, I feel like that makes sense though. Cause after a while, maybe you want to change positions or something. Yeah. And that's the nice thing with the bridge when you're, when you're attached to your tether, the, there's a carabiner attached to a prusik or uh, a rope man, or uh, some guys are using the Kong for the smaller diameter ropes, uh, which is, yep. they're all basically mechanical prusiks that are used in the climbing industry. You can slide that, that prusik up and down your tether and you can either, some guys like to lean back at a 45 degree angle. Other guys like to 
sit with their knees bent at a 90 degree angle, like you're sitting in a chair and you can adjust that. So you basically, as the day goes on, if you don't want to lean, you can sit. I've slept in mine. So really, uh, yeah. I, I think it's, uh, you got a lot more adjustability and they're way more comfortable than sitting in a tree stand where, you know, you get to that point in a tree stand where you feel like your tailbone is going to curl up underneath you and your lower back is just starting to you know, just starting to kill. Um, and you got to stand up and make excessive movement where right. I think you can make that minor adjustment with your tether and you can, um, you know, basically dial in the comfortability factor for yourself. Oh yeah. And actually I feel like now that I've been in one, it's way safer to sleep in a tree saddle than in a tree yeah. stand. Yeah. You know, cause <laughs> like in tree saddle, you're just not, you're just not going to fall out. Yeah, but, I mean, tree stands, I've fallen asleep where I felt like, you know, I thought I was going to fall off to the side one time. Yeah, so, no you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, you have that, you, you have that, oh, you have that, oh shit moment where yeah. you're like, oh, and you wake up with a start and you feel like you're falling out of the thing. Oh yeah. With the tree saddles, with the tree saddles, it's, it's honestly, you're, you can't fall out of it because you're attached to the tree. That is your, that is your safety line. That is your harness. That is, uh, you're basically in your harness hundred percent of the time and attached to the tree. Right. So that's the great safety feature about it. You can flip upside, you know, it's there are guys, there's, like you said, there's videos of guys flipping upside down. You can't really fall out of a tree saddle. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's, it's comfortable. You guys, um, is it like how, how long would you say you could sit in it? I could do all day easily. Not easily. It's, it's cause my mental, all day? mental side. Jan says all day. day. Oh yeah. Have you done an all day? Sit? In the tree, in the tree saddle. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of them that back you guys got did you guys get the back bands yeah those are sweet the back band you can either you know you can dial it in either up high so it's basically like you're sitting in a reclining chair or if you need that lower back support you can just kind of go on your lower back with that and that's not that's adjustable as well so i find them ridiculously comfortable yep yeah it's it's a bit i'm I'm excited to try it so the other the other thing that we we mentioned is the safety, and we're kind of talking about it now. You know, is it safe? Is there way some way I'm going to hit a strap and just totally fall out of the tree? You know, is it going to no. release anything? No. Is there any safety concerns with with it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, like anything that we do with, sure. with uh, hunting in our tree, there's safety concerns. Obviously, you have to be smart about it. But as far as Climbing the tree, you know, you're attached to your lineman belt the entire time. Once you get up to hunting height, you attach your your tether and then you hook into your bridge and then you release and then you know you lean back and and make sure you basically test it and make sure you're you're hanging okay and then take your lineman's belt off and then you know you're ready to hunt basically. So you're attached to the, you know if you're doing it the correct way, you're attached to the tree a hundred percent of the time. There's no moment where you've got to clip out of your lineman's belt and then climb into your right. stand and then, and then clip into your, your full body harness. That, that just doesn't happen. You're, you know, so that from that aspect, it's very safe. You know, the, the buckles on the, we use ADF Raptor buckles and yep. those are rated 5,000 pounds strength. The webbing's rated to like 6,000 pounds. We have a whole specification sheet that shows what these saddles are rated for. So as far as safety, I mean, you're looking at, you're looking at a company that's been building tree saddles for tree climbing in the arborist industry, industry since 1984, and they're very highly regarded. So these tree saddles, especially, you know, from Arrow Hunter are bomb proof pieces of equipment, the construction on them. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you see a lot of this kind of quality anymore in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, super high quality. Yeah. The stitching, I mean, the, everything is, you know, the, I was telling you on the phone, the buckles even are. And you feel good because you, you feel like you're, you're, you're trusting a lot to something that's new. And so if it's high quality, it's, it gives you a little bit more of a, you know, 
like a sense of like you're at ease. Yeah. Very, very, you know, when I first started hunting out of it, I, I had the Kestrel, which was my first saddle. And yep. when I got it, I was like, wow, this is really well-made. And, you know, I was, I was really kind of impressed by the quality. And, uh, you know, if you have any issues with it too, the customer service at Arrow Hunter is unmatched. Sophia makes a point of making all of her customers happy and will bend over backwards for guys within reason, obviously. But, you know, there are guys that have had issues down the line and they get it replaced or, or get it repaired and, you know, we're happy to do so. There, there's even been guys who wanted custom colors and she's even accommodated a few of those as well. So oh, nice. Uh, very, um, very nice people. Um, very willing. They love their customers. They try to do the best job actually for the flex because it's a, it's now a six, uh, six week wait over the 4th of July weekend. Some of the production people volunteered to come in on the 4th of July to continue to, to make saddles for the customers because they don't, they wow. want guys to have them before the season. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of company that, you know, even if I wasn't working for them, that I wanted to deal with. And, you know, my, my experience when I was just a customer was great. Their customer service was very, very helpful. I, I think I changed my order in the middle of it and they're very accommodating. So um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Now I'm asking for a friend. Do they come sure. in muddy girl, pink camo? Muddy girl, pink. No, uh, <laughs> right now that is not one of the official colors. Uh, unfortunately, we've got uh, uh, for the flex right now, we have ASAT camo predator and broadside, but I don't know if, if your friend wants to call, she can ask. Um, it's a he and it's Jared. Oh, is it a and it's, oh, okay. it's not me. <laughs> That, that's that's a good color. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should suggest you that. You can't see pink. Anyway. Can't, you know what? It's supposed to be more visible than the high vis orange. So you're really doing it for safety. Oh, did, did Michigan go to the pink? The blaze pink too? Don't quote me on it. I'm pretty sure they did though. I know a lot okay, of places yeah. are. Yeah, I think I think Wisconsin were. did like one or two years ago. Yeah. They approved the pink. I as know. Well. I, I know. I saw Wisconsin could. I, I just always bought orange, so I never never looked into it. When you're picking out a tree, say you know you've got. I would assume you walk out with your saddle on, or do you put it on when you get out there? Depends on how far I'm walking. You know, if I'm trekking way back, sometimes I'll just put it in uh, in my in my pack or yep. on the outside of my pack, and then uh, walk in that way with it. But yeah, most times I am wearing it in. It's got a buckle waist belt, and it's got the two uh, leg straps, leg leg buckles, and then basically what I do is I throw my. Uh, my bridge over my shoulder to yep. keep it from sagging down and then i just walk in that way with my pack on and bow in hand so you get out to your spot how do you pick a tree like what what does the like optimal tree look like for uh, for a saddle i mean it's a lot like a tree stand but if you're working with uh you know some of these like scrubby little marsh trees and you can get up it you can probably hang from it i've wormed my way around some uh some branches and and there, because there was one little open spot and I've, I've hung in there that early season last year just kind of overlooking a heavily used trail coming out of a marsh um, onto a hardwood point and i sat that and that was like pretty much the only tree available right there so um if you can if you can imagine it you could probably get into it a lot a lot easier than trying to get into a tree like that with a uh tree stand and trying to get that up there without making a whole lot of noise well you know and, and jared and i have been talking a lot about this uh bit we're buying into the the hunting beast and dan infault and you know his thing is find the beds and kind of move up and set up kind of right outside the beds yep. and so to set up quietly is 
I mean, it's hard to do, and it, to be able to set up in any tree is is pretty key. So I, I gotta imagine that's that works pretty well for that that style of hunting. Yeah, I he's you know really big that you gotta be real sneaky and stealthy. But you know, with in my experience, you know, honestly, this past fall I was I was making a little too much noise, and I had like a young buck come out to see what was going on. Right. Right. <laughs> and and I was actually I think it was three sticks up and on my lineman's belt with my bow on the ground, and he came. He came to like 10 yards behind me because he, <laughs> he didn't know what I was. I was just hanging there uh, because I was probably making a little too much noise. And he right. thought probably I was another deer. So, you know, yeah, I mean, you have to practice that noise discipline like you like you would, you know, using a tree stand. You know, honestly, it's uh, it's Cordura and webbing and you have a couple of buckles and there's not much as far as, you know, your your hanging implement, your tree stand, if you will, or your saddle, you know, your saddle's not going to make as much noise as a tree stand. It's fabric. So full full stop. It's not, it's just not going to make as much noise Mm. because we've all been there with tree stands, right? Where you're trying to set up quietly and then you'll lose grip of it and then clink and it it, it honks into your, uh, your sticks and you're like, Oh, you, you know that everyone within the nearest mile heard that one clink and all yes. the deer know that. Psychologically like, hey, I'm devastating. Here. Psychologically devastating. Yeah. So when you're up in your tree stand, you know, I'll, I, I'll go out in my backpack, right? And I'll carry everything out. Are you strapping your backpack to the tree in front of you or, you know, how, mm-hmm. how do you get that with, with the, the, uh, the bridge and everything? Where, where do you set your backpack and stuff? So the backpack I usually set probably at knee level on my off side, on my right side, and that's kind of where I hang it. Uh, okay. What I what I do is I use a, a climbing daisy chained webbing, and then like I use a little bungee to attach that to the tree. Yep. And I have a little, it's called a hero clip. I don't know if you've seen these. It's like a, it's like a little carabiner, but then it's got like this little J hook that comes off the side. Oh, and I, yep. hook that, I hook that into the daisy chain webbing and then I hang my bow from that. And then oh, my, yeah. And then I just hang my, my pack, um, lower on my right side, down by my, down by my knee, like out of the way. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, I'm, I've got, what I was kind of hoping to do is use a ratchet strap to, you know, one of those camo like ratchets, mm-hmm. to ratchet to a tree, figure out, you know, where my bow goes and stuff. But I like to be able to get into my pack, especially if we're, we're sitting out there for a long time. Yeah. The other question I had was w- when you get up, you know, say you, you, it's warm out and it, the temperature drops and I want to throw a coat on. How yeah. difficult is it to do that with, obviously I'm guessing you can't probably throw on a, a pair of bibs while you're out there. Meh, yeah. I mean, that would be kind of difficult. You'd probably have to get down on the ground to do that. But as yeah. far as, you know, I have that uh, Sitka Fanatic jacket that I wear eight season. That thing's too hot to wear in. I usually right. put, uh, put that on the outside of my pack bundled up, which is nice because then it kind of quiets everything else down because of that, that fleece that it has on it. Yeah. But yeah, getting into that in the tree, no problem. Okay. Just in the saddle. So, you know, putting on bibs and pants, you probably have to wear those in. But usually I, I, you know, I, I wear those uh, Stratus pants from Sitka because yep. uh, they got the wind stopper. And I find the wind stopper is just is key when you're sitting uh, mid to late season because I, I get cold really easily. Yeah. Uh, I need I need that wind stopper, and I I love those pants and that that whole system. I've tried many other things over the years, and just you know I, I can only sit a couple of a couple of three hours, and then that was it. I could sit out there all day with that stuff on. Yep. So yeah, one of the you got to be able to stop the wind. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, especially when you're up high, I mean, it yeah. can be or the, that that late November oh, wind brutal. can just be brutal. Do, are you? I'm, I almost said run. I do you run uh, a bino harness, and I feel like everybody says run. Do you wear? Do you wear a bino harness? I have a 
Alaska Guy Creations Vinyl Harness. Yeah. And honestly, I wind up you leaving that in the truck like 90% of the time just because it's just another thing that I don't want to have to bring in with me. Right. Um, I try to keep my pack like pretty minimal. You know, I, I it's basically like food and snacks and grunt tube and rangefinder and tags when we used to carry them. But um, it's it's like basically your kill kit to go in and, and be real minimal. I don't try to carry a lot of extra stuff in with me. You know, it's funny. Jared gives me a hard time because I'm the opposite with the bino harness. I bring. I would say I wear a bino harness most places I go. You yeah. brought your bino harness to go shopping. To go? No, I didn't go. <laughs> Well, you know, you got to see a deal across the... Just, just driving around town with the bino harness. People on. watching in the parking lot. Man, I got all my stuff in there. Good I thing I brought wallet. these binos. Hey, you know what, though? It's like, I never so want to like be a... caught not knowing. <laughs> so do you keep the binos in it, or is it just oh, like a yeah, man? I got oh, the yeah. binos. I want to have Fully loaded. I want to have my eyes on at all okay. times. Okay. Okay. But I'll say this, yeah. Jared, you don't even wear your glasses all the time. No. Nah, which would drive them. me crazy. I always have my... I hate not being able to see things. I look better without glasses. Oh. It's all about looks, baby. You need some uh, LASIK then. You know what? Yeah. I've got a I've got a actually got a guy at work. Yeah. Who his He does LASIK in his, his garage? Yeah, that's for a different time. <laughs> no. Um it's legal. Yeah. His mother in law had LASIK. Yeah. And she started losing her vision again. Yeah. My mother in law uh, did too. But how long ago did she get it? It's not the point. I think I think technology has improved. No? So you're saying a laser to the eye has changed. They're better at it now. I'm sure of it. Hey, regardless. I think they have better. They have probably a better lasers. Better lasers, more pinpoint. You know, they're just slicing your eye open. You know how stupid that sounds? Oh I'm yeah, sh- better lasers. Better. Some sort. They're better at it. I don't know how, but I'm sure they've gotten better at it. My <laughs> eyes aren't that bad, anyways. Mine aren't either. I can see perfectly fine right now. Like how many, it's how many sun- fingers am I holding up? Wow, that's one right in the middle. <laughs> but no, I don't need glasses. Just like I don't need to have my bino harness on me every time. Uh, I I can understand if we're going out scouting and there's going to be a long distance where I need to see. If we're out scouting a field, yep. but if I'm walking through the woods, I don't know. It's just extra clutter to have on. It's extra. You hate yeah. straps warmth. too. You're a big strap I guy. I hate straps. Like yeah. when people don't I, buckle up their extra straps yeah. on their packs, drives me nuts. There's a few <laughs> ways that I know how to just make grind Jared's gears. If I have straps hanging off, or if I put stickers on things. Oh, like yeah. I just got a new RK1, and yeah. he hasn't even seen it yet. He comes over. He's like, "Oh, sweet." You know, cool looking bow, and he looks he's like you already ruined it with stickers. And I, the whole time in my head, I'm thinking, I can't wait till he says you ruined it with stickers, and you did. You know, there's there's a reason NASCAR cars have stickers on them. Yeah, leave them for the cars. Leave I like your, just leave your bow as it is. I like uh, it's got to have a little Jimmer touch, a special. Uh, well, you it's got to have a piece definitely of Jimmer touch. <laughs> I've been Jimmer touching you my tagged bow. Tagged it. So th- this season, you got some big plans for for hunting with the uh, with the saddle this year, Jan. I do. I'm hopefully going to get together with you guys. We're going to do a hunt in Western Wisconsin. I'm looking yes. forward to. Cannot and wait. Locally, I've got my spots. And then uh, probably going out to Western New York again to hunt my uncle's farm because that's just like a, a nice, it's like a deer paradise out there. Uh, in Western New, New York, York, huh? Probably yeah, it's not known for it. You don't hear a lot about but New York. But it's beautiful, especially the upstate. You know, we live there. I'd, I'd go up a lot because it is, it's like Michigan with mountains is the way, that I, was, the way I was thinking. Yeah. The you know? Yeah. That, the Adirondack area, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, plan a, that's those are my hunts this year. I'm not uh, I'm not doing any Western hunting. I was trying to make a Idaho hunt uh, happen this year with a buddy who lives in California, but our schedules won't uh, won't jibe, unfortunately. Yeah, Shoot. we had the, Ours we had didn't the either. same thing. Idaho for elk too. Idaho, bro. I, I feel like bro down. for elk, 
And some guys aren't into the, the tree stand style hunting for elk, but I feel like this saddle would be money. Throw it in your pack, and if you find like a good wallow that's that's been torn up, you can mm. post up right there. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Stephen Drake, is the photographer from Sitka, and I actually sent him a saddle because he's excited to use it early season for elk wallows. Yeah. Um, when sitting over an elk wallow, so he's going to utilize it for that. So, Sweet. you know, I know a lot of the Western hunters, obviously, they're, they're really mobile because, you know, elk are always on the move. But I think for those uh, early season months where they're still hitting wallows, a tree saddle would be perfect because you don't have to haul a tree stand uh, mm -hmm. up a mountain, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be huge. Western uh, Western New York, are you are you hunting like the the hardwoods? Are you hunting farm farmland? What's it look like out there? Yeah, it's farmland. Uh he's got 180 acres, just I think it's east of Buffalo, New York. He's out in the farm country. Um he actually has a winery uh out there. He's actually a bee farmer. So he raised he has uh, honeybees and he produces honey. A purist, if you will. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Um, and uh, they actually they actually make mead. Uh, oh, there baby. we go. The mead will get, you know what? Yeah. Mead is I've just started trying mead. It's sweet, yeah. but it's pretty good. It slaps you in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I had I brought a bottle of mead to one of our first podcast episodes. Yeah, you did. And I was drinking on that. I'm not gonna lie. It it'll, went down very nice. I'm a, I'm a fan of the mead. Yep. Yeah, their their uh, their winery is called Midgard Winery, so it's kind of got that whole uh, Viking thing going on. Nice. Uh, so that's kind of what my cousin and my uncle do, and yeah, they have uh, the farm used to be farmed, but now it's a lot of you know, it's a lot of old farm fields that have overgrown, and it's just like this, uh, you know, these it's just like it's edge heaven out there yeah. where all of the divergent pieces of flora and fauna come together in these different edges, and. Yep. I see so many deer out there. It's it's such a great place to hunt. Last was it two years ago during the rut. It was just grunting and chasing and uh, all over. And pardon my French, with my dumb ass, uh, you know, missed the opportunity because I I, uh, I I misjudged the distance. And, uh, I shot right under him. So, um, and uh, my uncle's got a picture of the same deer that he that he shot during the gun season. So wow. got a little insult to injury. So what's but it's okay. It's okay. I feel like Still. we've all done that before, so don't oh, yeah. feel bad. Yeah. Well, I had oh. never, I, I've never made a mistake in the woods, but, you know, I've Constant. heard about it. I've well, read about it. Oh, well, well. <laughs> Jared's Constant seen most mistakes. of my mistakes. Yes. You know, I've got, I've had some success, but like most of the time, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I've blown many opportunities, let's just say. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, failure's the best teacher, That's I would right. say. I yeah, I, absolutely. You know, and uh, next time, that mistake will hopefully won't happen again. I hope exactly. So. Learn from them all the time. Yeah. Well, Jan, hey, we're coming up on time. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, before we go, do you want to tell everybody where they can find out information about Arrow Hunter, saddles, and Maybe you some instructional and videos on yep. how to set the stuff up? Yeah, um, we're going to be producing a lot of that content coming up. There wasn't a whole lot of social media stuff that was done uh, yep. over the last couple of years. You know, Bobby had his own channel um, and he was working. He's a co-designer of uh, some of the saddles with Arrow Hunter, but as a company, we're trying to basically push a lot of that stuff out here coming up. So look for us on, uh, you know, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, look for us coming up on YouTube with some some content. You know, we're working with a bunch of people as well that are going to be pushing out content for us as well. But if you would like to read more about uh, Arrow Hunter, go to arrowhunter.net. 
us, which is our website. And that's where you can find us. If you have any questions, feel free to give us a call. Debbie is our customer service person. She's super nice. Happy to answer any questions. Yeah. You can email us. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube from a lot of different people. Some of it good, some of it better, but <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, it seems to be kind of taking off this year um, with saddle hunting becoming a bigger deal than it has been in the past. And I think that's because a lot more guys are hunting public land and they're hunting mobile and they just see the sense uh, that it just makes sense basically. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, thanks again. We'll talk to you soon. That sounds good. Thanks guys. Thanks, John. Everybody, thanks again for taking a listen to this episode. Head on over to our Instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. If you're feeling squirrely, go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We and, appreciate it. And tell your friends that we are Hot Boga. Hot Boga. Hot Boga Hunting.com.